God, we just uh, we give this morning over to you, Lord. We just commit this time to you so we're not distracted with anything else, Lord, and other stuff that would be vying for our attention, God. We just we choose to put that aside. Father, we choose to give you this time. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each of our hearts, Lord, and I pray that we would be listening. And I pray, Father, that we wouldn't just be listening to uh, get more knowledge and understand more things, but that we would get those, but also be looking to put that into practice this week. I'll be looking to put into practice later today. I pray, Father, for a greater revelation of your truth and a greater understanding of your light that wants to shine in our lives, Father. So, Father, we just commit this time to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're going to bless it, that you're going to speak, and I pray that we're listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah, so John chapter 2, and I got some fill-in-the-blanks there that should help you out, and um, I will go through and make sure I, I hit all those. Sometimes I know I miss them, but uh, I will try um, to make sure that I hit them. So the first miracle, part 2, John chapter 2, tell you what, let's, um, we'll read through the passage and I'll tell you why we're taking a look at it again. Sound good? Okay, let's do it. So it says, uh, John chapter 2, verse 1, on the third day... We've heard the third day thing somewhere before, haven't we? Doesn't that like, have something to do with like Easter, the resurrection? You know? It's just a coincidence, I guess, right? On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me, Jesus said. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did, not want, he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. So you have a wedding, right? Have a wedding. And, and we talked a lot about this last week, so if you missed any of it last week, and what I'm going to say now is just a quick intro, check out the podcast online um, from last week. It, I think it would probably be helpful. Um, definitely be worthwhile. So you have this wedding. Jesus, disciples, his mom is there, everybody's there, having a good time, hanging out. And um, they run out of wine there. And so you, you saw that uh, his mother Mary said, hey, there's some ceremonial jars over here. Off the, actually, I got a picture of those, too. You could put that, that picture up there. If I could have brought one in my truck today, I would have, right? They look like that, right? 20 to 30 gallons, these big jars, ceremonial washings. They had to wash a particular way before they were about you know, to eat together and, and do different things under Jewish law. And so there was you know, a bunch of those on the side, and they were empty. And uh, Jesus says, hey, bring those over here. 
And he said that to the who? To the servants, right? It's interesting, right? Nobody else really knew what was going on, but the servants really knew what was going on. So he said to the servants, you know, bring those over here, fill them with water. So they took them, filled them to the top, and then um, they said, he said to the servant, take a cup and, um, you know, bring it uh, to the master, you know, of the banquet there. And I don't know what happened in that moment, you know, as far as how he turned that thing into wine right there. Like, when he put the cup in, did it turn into wine? Was it in transition as he was walking? Like, did it change in front of him? And he was, like, flipping out, like, it was water, and it's purple. And, ah. You know, and they gave it to him. Like, I don't, it doesn't really say, and it didn't say that Jesus did, like, a thing over it and touched it, or he spit in it or something and then made it wine. Because he's done the spit thing before, right, on people's eyes and made them see, right? I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And then so the master of the banquet, um, he gets it, and uh, he says, wow, he says, usually people save the best. Everybody say the best. best. It's going to be important later. Save the best wine until everybody's like a little tanked, right? So they don't know. But you, you're bringing out the best stuff now. And then it closes, right, with this is the first of his miraculous signs. Everybody say signs. Signs, because that's important too, believe it or not. Um, that Jesus performed at Canaan Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. So last week, right, there's, there's really one main theme going on here that's running through it. And to be completely honest with you, we didn't even really talk about the main theme and main part last week. And the reason why we did not is because, for whatever reason, we're a culture that's kind of sucked into a secondary theme happening here. The secondary theme is this issue of alcohol and drinking. And Jesus multiplying it. What does that say about Jesus? What does that say about alcohol? What is okay? What is not okay? Can a Christian drink? And then if he can, like how much? And then if he goes too far, like where is that? It's good stuff, right? And it's worthwhile to think about. And that's everything that we talked about last week. So um, it is online. You might want to listen to that to help put things in the proper place. Because to be totally honest with you, it's not just um, a conversation about where does alcohol fit in. Um, it's really a conversation about where does alcohol fit in? Where does food fit in? Where does money fit in? Where does like diet and exercise fit in? You know, all these things are good gifts, but what happens is when we start to use them outside of the parameters and boundaries that God has set up for us, they become very dangerous and not really helpful. And then we're caught scrambling, usually when we're in too deep and trying to figure out, oh, wait, what can I do? What should I not do? And then a lot of times it's because people don't really know the heart of God in a particular situation. They try and create rules and regulations as far as what you can do and can't do. So then it's really helpful to know what the Bible says. Like, what is God actually saying about this? And do I even know? And so that's why we spent all that time last week. And your first fill-in-the-blank in your bulletin helps emphasize that. These good gifts were created by a loving Father to enjoy. Everybody say enjoy. But they have been hijacked by a deceiving enemy to enslave. 
right? Food, wine, sex. This stuff was created by a good, loving father. Like, he created it. He was the inventor of sexual activity. He said, he said there's always an amen from a guy with that one, always. Right? Like, he created that. Like, that was his deal, his idea. How can I just bless them so that way they can just enjoy this gift? How can this be special between a married couple? I want something to really signify and just set apart that relationship to where it's just a gift they can enjoy with each other. That's something that's just shared there. It's just, it's there. I just want to bless them. I love them. Like, that was his idea. And unfortunately, the enemy has done really good and just erasing all boundary lines and just thinking that sometimes, a lot of times, we know what's best and how we can handle it and somehow we're able to determine what might be helpful and what might be hurtful. It's really bad. It's not good. Same thing with food, right? Just because there's you know, lots of food around or different types of food doesn't mean we should just be eating it and inhaling it at all times. We live in the West, but unfortunately, like, the diet rates and just the way we consume things is not healthy. It's not in a good way. It's not the way that God really intended. Because this thing is His. We're supposed to be worshiping, worshiping Him through it. And alcohol falls in that same category. So really, the root of what we talked about last week was 1 Corinthians 10, which I have that slide back there, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. This has to do with eating, drinking, sex, as we live, whatever we do, right? So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble. So can a Christian drink? Can he not drink? Well, I don't know. Can he do it to the glory of God so, and also in such a way where it doesn't cause anybody else to stumble? That's the question to ask, right? Well, how am I going to be glorifying God when I'm drinking some orange juice in the morning like at breakfast time? You know? It's a legitimate question and it's fair to ask. Certainly one thing that you can do is receive it with thanksgiving, like it says in the Bible. Receive it with thanksgiving and praise. Another way you can also receive it is like not to grab the entire jug out of the fridge so that way you have that whole jug and everybody else gets this much. That's not a good way to do things either, right? Or like running to the best spot at the table or making sure you get the best piece or I'm first in line and I got the best seat. It's like, what? Right? There's a certain way we can handle these things where glory can be brought to him. It's important that we know how to do that. And there's not a rule book somewhere that says, here's what you do in this situation, here's what you do in this situation, and here's, it doesn't exist. The reason why it doesn't exist is because we're supposed to be in relationship with him so we clearly understand what he is communicating to our hearts. Hey, maybe in this scenario you can eat this, drink this, go there. But maybe in this scenario like you really shouldn't, it's not why. Like, we should be able to know these things. You can't really know that stuff if there's just rules. Just, da, 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 don't do this, don't do that. Because, like, a thing like alcohol is not inherently evil just because it's alcohol. In fact, the Bible portrays it, like we talked about last week, the Bible portrays it as a sign of blessing and as a sign of fulfilled promises is that wine will be overflowing. 
So it's just not inherently evil because it is what it is. But this is all last week's stuff. So you got to listen to that last week, right? But what we, that's a secondary issue, right? But, and I understand, like, you know, we don't have healthy boundaries with that stuff. So we have to talk about that. We absolutely have to. And the conversation is not done, um, but it's worthwhile to talk about. The big issue that John, who wrote this, this is what he was really trying to get across. He's really trying to get across the whole point that he brought up the story fulfills his entire purpose and reason for writing the whole book. His whole reason for writing the whole book was the last chapter, last verse. I have written down these things, and we showed this slide before. I don't have it this morning, so don't look for it. It's okay. It's like, oh, where is it? I have written down these things so that you may know Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Son of God. It's the whole reason he wrote the book. He tells us that. So as we go through the whole book, He's constantly setting the stage and proving and saying, see, it's because of this he's the Messiah. See, he's the Son of God because of this, because of this, because of this, because of this. And what we get to, remember we said the word signs, right? He doesn't refer to miracles kind of in the same context and in the same way that Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. Where these are miracles and wonders that are done in mercy and grace towards a particular situation. John uses a different Greek word when he puts it in here because he's trying to paint the picture of the purpose that this is a sign of the Messiah. It's a completely different word. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty interesting. And so the whole big picture part here is that he did a miracle. Like, that's the thing that John wants us to get our heads around. He did a miracle. He did a miracle where there was nothing, it was empty, and he made it overflowing. He did a miracle where there was disappointment, and now there's overflowing joy. This is a miracle. He took something that had nothing, put something in it, and it was not just good, it was the best ever. This is like what we really got to grab a hold of. Alcohol, you know, drinking, yeah, yeah. it's like secondary. Can't get lost in that stuff. You want to think about it later, still think about it, still work through it. But the point of what John is saying is, hey, listen, this is the Messiah, this is the Son of God. Man, this is how this thing started. Look, look what he's doing. So there's some interesting, there's some interesting uh, insights into this miracle. I wrote a couple of them down here. This first miracle, or sign, right? First sign, he did it at a wedding. Why did he do it at a wedding? It's an interesting question to ask, right? He did it at a wedding. The last one that he did, other than the resurrection, that was a pretty big deal, right? But as far as like public ministry, when he was walking around, first one he did was at a wedding. The last one he did was kind of at a funeral with Lazarus. So it's interesting, right? But why at a wedding? Honestly, God just loves people. He just loves people. He wants to add joy to the occasion. He wants to create a way where we can actually enjoy things. Where we can just like, oh, this is great. This is awesome. And sometimes people fall in the trap to thinking, well, isn't that being selfish? Like, if I get the chance to enjoy it, isn't that like me, you know, being selfish? And That's a fair question to ask, too. Right? That's definitely a fair question to ask. 
I have an Ecclesiastes verse on there. I think it's probably on the next slide. Right? So can we enjoy stuff? Look at, yeah, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 12 through 13. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. It's a gift from God. Like, we're supposed to be enjoying stuff. If God provides a situation, you know, where, I don't know, let's think summer, let's think warm. If he provides a situation, you know, where you can be on a boat and just enjoying it, you know, and I like going tubing, you know, and water skiing, and man, just enjoyed that. Like, he provided that and, like, made a way, you know, for that to happen. Healthy enough to do it, it made a way, like, enjoy that. Don't be sitting there in guilt in the process of, you know. Many times people think, like, the more guilt I feel, the more spiritual I'm becoming. Not really. That's not the gospel. We're called to enjoy being sons and enjoy being daughters and being free in his presence. And sometimes he'll make us aware of things that we had to repent of. And we should do that and not put it off. But at the same time, we've got to just enjoy being sons and daughters, being who he is. I want Jaron and Judson to just enjoy being like kids of mine. They don't come to me, oh, Dada, do you love me? Dada, do you love me? I said, okay, do, 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 you know? Constantly questioning. I'm like, dude, I love you. Like, let's go have fun. Let's go roll in the snow. I'm going to throw you on the couch. Like, let's have fun. Like, that's the relationship we're called to have with our Heavenly Father, is to enjoy that and be with Him. That's where the root of it is. And it's a true gift to really be able to do that. It's a true gift to really be able to just be, be in relationships and be around food and alcohol and, diff, and money and just like be able to know how to use it well and just enjoy it. It's a real gift from God to understand where the boundaries have to go. Because for each person, there has to be different boundaries. For one family, it's okay to have a Budweiser in the fridge. For another family, it is not okay. For whatever reasons. Right? So we have to know. We have to know. And we've got to be close to God to be able to know that. All right. So the miracle, right? One insight, done at a wedding. Last one's done at a funeral. It's to add joy. That's what I did at a wedding. We talked about he brought fullness where there is emptiness. He brought joy where there is disappointment. It's interesting that Moses' first miracle, he turned water into blood. It wasn't the first time this water, this, you know, turning water into something happened. Moses turned water into blood. He did that, right, with Pharaoh and before the, you know, it was the first of the plagues. Let my people go. You may ever see the Prince of Egypt movie? Every time I talk about Moses, I always think of the Prince of Egypt movie. You ever see that? Uh, there's a few, I guess. It's a Disney. It's worthwhile to see. You know, it's, it's pretty interesting. So uh, let my people go. Right? The first one is he turned that water into blood, which really signifies judgment. Like there's judgment happening there. You know, he was judging a land, and they were just purposely not listening to God, and he was judging them. It was kind of harsh. It's interesting that in the New Testament, Jesus is first, he takes water, he turns it into wine, and it's like in a joyous occasion, and it's grace-filled. Right? There's grace that's just flowing through his first miracle, where in Moses it was like a firm kind of judgment, you know? The relationship with God in the New Testament is very different. It's covered in grace. And this miracle involved like many miracles that he did, or signs, as John would say it, 
involve the cooperation of man. Like he didn't just do it on his own. He didn't take the pot up, bring it to the spigot or whatever they had. They had the probably the pump it, right? Didn't just bring it there, put the water in, do the kazam thing, and then bring it and have the guy test it. Like he involved other people in the process to carry out the miracle. He involved the servants, right? He involved the servants to do it. They knew all about it. They knew all about it. And it's the pattern for Jesus to do that throughout the New Testament, is to use people in his miracles. Does he have to use us to do anything? No, but he chooses to do it. He wants us to be a part in it. He wants us to see this thing is real. Go hard after this thing. Get to know it. Get to know me. I can use you. It doesn't matter. Just give me everything. Just give me everything. Like feeding of the 5,000. He used the boy and the fish and the loaves, right? He didn't need the boy and the loaves. I mean, he could have just went, you know, and stuff would have just, food would have just poured, boom, on the hill. It would have been gluten-free. It would have been healthy, whole grains, you know. It would have been good stuff, right? been really good. He didn't need the kid, right? He didn't even need to have the conversation with the disciples to talk about it. But he was building faith. Very important. And it's interesting with that miracle. Like, he could have just done it with, like, he could, the kid had, you know, five loaves and two fish. He could have taken one fish and, like, a crumb of a loaf. And still done the same thing, don't you think? It's interesting that he wanted all of it, right? He wanted everything that was there. He wanted all of it so that he could do what he wanted to do. You think that's an important biblical principle? You think God, like, just wants a little bit of peace? He wants all of it, so we can see he can be trusted with all of it and do way more than we could think or imagine. It's the Christian life. How about the blind man, which we talked about before? With that blind man that he healed later on, we'll see in John, he used the blind man and actually the religious leaders of the day to see that miracle happen. Guy came to him, he was blind, couldn't see. Jesus picked up some dirt, I guess he picked up some dirt in his hands. It doesn't say. It says he spit on the dirt. So maybe he spit on it first and picked it up or had in his hands first and spit on it. I don't know. But he spit on it. Still kind of weird. Put it on his eyes. And then Jesus said, well, go wash in the pool and you'll be able to see again. Now, if we went outside right now and I were to spit on some snow and put it on your face, <laughs> and I said, go walk back inside, you know, and have, you know, so-and-so pray for you. One, you'd probably be insulted that I just spit on something and put it on your face. And then two, I'm sure that walk back is probably like, what the, what am I doing right now? This is like, I'm not telling anybody about this, you know. All this, like, thoughts that could be coming through the head, you know. And maybe this guy was thinking, like, part of that stuff. I don't know. And then he goes and washes, you know, and like, boom, then he can see. It's amazing. He uses people in the process. You think he wants to use you for anything? question is then, do you think you're worthy or good enough? I hope you say yes. I hope you say yes. I hope so. Yeah, that one just struck a chord. I hope you can say yes to that one. And if you can't, you got to come to him immediately and say, God, I do not feel like I can be used by you in any real significant way. you got to be honest with him about that. 
and just share that with him, say that to him, and then see what he does. I'm telling you. All right, so let's talk about this miracle, right? We've got to fill in these blanks, right? So here we go. Real quick. The miracle, right? Three things that we got to take away. The main part, right? We get to adjust, breathe, come back, okay? So here we go. Look at the last part, verse 11. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory. Say glory. glory. And his disciples put their faith. Say faith. This is the important part. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Canaan Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. His glory was revealed by what he did. Right? It was revealed by what he did. Right? It was revealed by taking an empty pot, filling it with something, turning it out to be something totally different than the substance that was in it to the best thing possible so that everybody else can enjoy it. That's what he did. He took an empty pot that offered really no promise of any kind, filled it with one substance, then totally changed it into another substance, and everybody else was blessed by it. Do you think... The Bible calls us clay pots. And when we come to Jesus Christ and we submit our lives to him, how much do you really bring to the table? How much do I bring to the table besides mess, baggage, confusion, hurt, pain? What do we bring in? Not a whole heck of a lot. That's what we see. But the truth of the matter is he sees an incredible amount of value to where this is way more than worth it. To say it's so worth it, I would, act, I would actually kill my son to have you in here, to have you be with me so I can walk with you. So you can actually see what I intended you to be. It's way worth it. The value is huge. God wants to, he desires to reveal his glory through you, through I, clay pots. That's what he wants to do. We're supposed to give him glory, come to church, set him on high, praise his name, read his word, sing his songs in the house, tell it to our kids. So to do that, right, he also wants to like reveal that like through us, through those things, but like through us, so it's just a part of us. He's going to fill us with himself so that everybody else around us is like, wow, you're a different kind of person, aren't you? And where they're affected by the work that he has done. He is choosing to reveal his glory through us. You got a purpose and a value that's significant. And it's not heavily dependent upon what degree you have, where you went to high school, how you were brought up, 
He's going to work with what he's got. And it doesn't get much more useless than an empty clay pot. And we probably got a couple cracks in ours. So, okay. It's not a big deal. He's choosing to reveal his glory through you, through I. I didn't just make that up, and it doesn't just sound nice. It's in the Bible. Right? I have this slide over here. 2 Corinthians uh, 3, I think it's on the next one. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He wants to reveal who he is. When I say glory, here's what I mean. He wants to reveal his nature and his attributes through you, through me. That's what he's desiring to do. That's why he put his spirit in us, because he's looking to do that. That's numero uno. That's first and foremost, number one, that's what he's trying to do. The question is, are we going to let him? That's the question. And how much do I want that to happen? That's the question. And when this revelation of glory happened, what did it do to the disciples? Look what it did. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Right? When glory is revealed, faith increases. Faith increases. We start to think, oh, wow, maybe God really is real. Maybe this thing really is, like, kind of real stuff, you know? Maybe I can actually trust it. I've never seen that happen before. This is interesting. I don't know what to, you know? It increased faith. It'll increase faith in the vessel for sure, because they're like, wow, I had no idea. I never thought God could do something like that through me. I never thought he could speak like that. I know who I am and what I've done and what I struggle with and what I did last week. But he still used me. It's amazing. It's going to increase the faith in the vessel and it's going to increase faith in those around us. And that's what we're looking to do, right? That's what we're looking to do is increase the faith level in those around us. All right, we close with this one here. I'll get to the fill in the blanks, I promise. So here's his goal. Here's his goal. God's goal, right? God's goal. To be overflowing with his best. The goal for the Christian is that God wants to have us be overflowing with his best. That's the goal. Overflowing with the best kind of wine. The best that there is. The problem is that sometimes we can put ourselves in the way because we think we might know what's best. We think we might know what's best. Well, that job seems really good. It definitely pays more money, so I'm going to go in it. That's not great kingdom reasoning right there. I have no idea what may lay around the corner there, what, got, what might happen. have no idea at all. Well, I'm in a new relationship now, and he's so good with my kids, and... Does he want to follow after Jesus? I don't 
don't know. He's kind of open to it, you know. And the Bible says do not be unequally yoked. Like, don't do it. It's not wise. You could do it and go your own way, but it's going to be rough. It's going to be difficult. There will be challenges. Not saying that God can't work through those. But that stuff can't happen. He's just warning us from the outset. Listen, I love you. Like, just go about it this way. We think we know what's best. Well, I really trust someone, so, you know, and, you know, we'll just, like, you know, we'll be married soon, and so it's okay, you know, if we start sleeping together. Like, that's fine. Like, no. Like, you don't know what's best. Trust him with it. Like, we got all these justifications. We're like, well, we know what's best. Because we can just see, like, what's in front of us. And we're pretty smart, right? Like, we can also see 10, 15 years later. We can. There's a story of a guy in the Bible. I can't get through the whole thing, but you can read it this week and check it out. King Saul. 1 Samuel, what was it? 1 Samuel 15 and 2 Samuel 1. You can read it later this week if you want. But Saul, God told him something very clear. He said, hey, listen. When you go into such and such town, make sure you do this. And, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So they get to such and such town. Does he do it? No. What he does do is most of it. So then the prophet Samuel shows up to King Saul and he says, well, did you do the thing? And uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, I did it. Okay. And he says, really, because, like, God's telling me and, and showing me, and I can see that you did not do, like, well... What I did is I thought it would be good if I did it this way. So we're good, right? That's literally how it happened. I'm not kidding you. Like, you got to read this. It's in there. I'm telling you. So what happens then in that second passage, in 2 Samuel 1, because he didn't take care of what was supposed to be taken care of in the beginning, it came to bite him in the butt. And it actually came, it was severe in this case, it came to kill him in the end. We might think like we know what's really good right in front of us, but we have no idea what God's best really is if we're just tunnel vision on what we think is best. There's just no way. You can't tell. I had like, uh, I just bought some like new shoes recently. Nice like sweet pair of Walmart kicks, you know, they're pretty nice. And my other ones were hurting, you know, and I picked up these shoes and I'm like, yeah, you know, these are pretty sweet. And I was like, oh, these are kind of like my old ones, you know, back at home. And, um, and they're kind of similar, like, you know, same kind of color and same kind of style a little bit. But then I get home and I'm like, I saw my shoes and I saw the Walmart ones I just bought. And like, they're Walmart, you know, I'm not the best, but, you know. I saw my shoes. I'm like, wow, these are in worse shape than I thought. These things aren't looking so hot. And then I saw that, and I was like, yeah, that's like, and that's just Walmart. Oh, man, these were worse than what I thought. Like, when the real deal stuff comes into the picture, like, we think things are not that bad, and we can, like, understand it and see it for what it is. Like, you can't. How many people think you have white shirts at home? Like white t-shirts, white long sleeve shirts? Go to the store and buy a real white shirt. 
Then you can see what white looks like. Wow, it's like my favorite white sweater. It ain't that white. It's like gray. Like, it's not. When the real deal comes into the situation, that's what God's looking to bring is like the best real stuff we think we can see and notice. We really can't. I like to go fishing a lot, too. You know, we'll be doing some ice fishing. and Like when we're going fishing, you know, it could just be a gorgeous day and be like a nice spot. You know, at least it looks really nice. The sun is out. It's warm. And maybe we're on the boat. We're looking. And fish got to be here. This place is awesome. Like if I was a fish, I would want to be here. This is a nice spot. There's a little tree over there they can hide by, like. There's not a lot of people here. It's not noisy. This is a sweet spot. And then, because, you know, it's 21st century, we turn on the radar, and you look on there, and there's no fish anywhere to be found. It's just you. It's just you. But the radar, like, tells you that. It helps you to see clearly of what's really happening. God does the exact same thing. He says, man, just abide in me and be with me and trust me. What you're seeing might look pretty good, but I'm telling you, I have something that's just the best for you. And if you wait on me and trust in me, fall in love with me, you'll be able to tell what the best is. It's what we're called to do. Philippians 1 says it really well. This is the last verse right here. Philippians 1, verses 9 through 10. 9 through 11. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Through the to the glory and praise of God. How are we supposed to know what's best? That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So like, how are we going to know, like, should I be eating this? Should I be going there? Should I be hanging out with these people? Should I take this job? Should I not? Jesus is saying, man, just fall in love with me. Like, just be with me. You will be able to discern what is best. And it's really difficult to do that apart from him. Super difficult. So I think that's the main point that John wanted to get across. Like, listen, this is a miracle. It's a sign of the Messiah. This is what he does. He takes things that are empty, that have really no future hope or promise, and on their own are kind of pathetic. And then he fills them up. And when he fills them up, he can even change something, something unbelievable. And it'll impact those around him. It's like default mode for him to make something be overflowing. It's default mode for when he's operating to bring joy to a situation, to bring hope to a situation. And if we're not feeling a lot of joy or hope, and we're feeling just down and out and woe me, and it's depressing, and I can't get my eyes off of myself, man, you need to be with God. Shut some things down and be with him. Because you are not, the spirit is not flowing. You could say that it is, but it is not. It is not. It's just not who he is. That's not his nature. And we got to just be honest with God about that stuff. God, I'm just like depressing right now. I know this isn't you. 
It's got to be different. You have different in mind. You operate in a different way. Fill me with that. Right? That's what we're called to do. All right, so get these fill in the blanks. Let me just make sure I got them. Because I bailed on you. So let's see. God wants to show his glory through us. This will bring an increase, increase in faith to us and those around us. Our Father wants us to be overflowing with His best. So let's make sure we got them all. Can I be, to- well, I'll tell you something in a minute. All right. So somebody yell these out, okay? So first one. These good gifts are created by a loving father to, but they have been hijacked by a deceiving enemy to, yes. Second one. God wants to, his, through, there we go. Third one. This will bring in, in, to us and those around us. Our Father wants us to be with His. It's the truth. It's the truth. Right? It's the truth. And can I be super honest with you too? <laughs> so, when I made the fill in the blanks, I was like, yeah, these are good. Like, thank you, Lord, for speaking it. I didn't write any of them down. So then I'm looking at them and I'm like, oh, what was that one? And why did? And then I'm thinking to myself, why did I put three in the same one? Like, that doesn't even... Thank you, Lord, for delivering on that and recalling it back to my memory the way that, you know, he put it in there. So, it's awesome. So, God is good. Um, let's do this. I'd like to sing um, that last song um, that we did. We can sing that together. And... Um, so here's the focus right during the song. The focus during the song is, God, I'm an empty pot. I don't bring a lot to the table, and you know this. I want to be filled with you. Father, I want you to reveal your glory through me to those around me. I hope you can pray that and actually mean that. I hope you can pray that and actually mean that. God, I want your, ve- your glory to be revealed through me and through my life. No matter the cost. And if there's struggles with that last part, you've got to just be honest with God about that. Say, ah, I don't know, like you shining through me, glory, sounds pretty cool, but no matter the cost, I don't know. I'm not sure where I fall on that. You've got to tell him that. Absolutely have to. And say, God, teach me and show me. Teach me and show me. I want to be in a position where you can be revealed through me. Like, don't you want to be believing in faith for everything that God has for you? Wouldn't it be a shame to be standing before God and he's like, man, you could have tapped into this, you could have done that, you could have gone here. And you're just, your faith was just weak, you know? Ah, that'd be sad. I I want to be positioned, I hope you want to be positioned in such a way to where your faith 
can take in all that God has for us. That we can actually take in everything that Christ at the cross has done for us. Like, it means a whole heck of a lot. And it means so much more than, you know, being, you know, having a job and, like, making sure we're comfortable. It's like, that's, that's not even, no. He wants to do so much. And his plans are great. His plans are great. More than we can think or imagine. But if we're stuck in square one thinking that, yeah, well, he can't actually change history through me. He can't actually change my neighborhood through me. Yeah, you got to bring that before him and say, Lord, that's just like a sinful thought. That is not right. That is not of you. It's not the case. And listen, if there's other things in life that need to be put in line with boundaries, you got to ask him about that too. God, I don't know how to have a drink and like, Glorify that with you. I want to know. God, I don't know how I can like eat in a way that's righteous and holy that would honor you. I got a bad pattern of doing it the other way. I want to do it in a way that honors you. Right? These are things we should be talking about and praying about during God, like during the song. If we're not singing along, we're praying that stuff. So awesome. Let's play that song, and then um, at the end of the song, we'll pray together.